In Romans chapter 4, Paul is writing to Christians in Rome who are living in the midst of pagans, and they're thriving. They're living in the midst of pagans, and they're thriving, but they must know the truth of the gospel that they may grow properly, that they may grow properly. And I think that, uh, for me, this is a picture of the day in which we live, that we are living in the midst of a pagan society, and we must grow properly in the midst of that. We, we must not take on the characteristics of those around us, but we must influence them. And I would like to say as a, as a preface that you and I are not to respond so much to the world system and what the world system deems important, but we are to respond to the Holy Spirit and the Word of God because God knows what is important. And what we have been, we have been in a way, um, uh, damaged, I would say, in, in our view of God. Uh, we have, in, in some ways, we've been that because we have taken on um, a view, a philosophy that is really not God. And so I would like to just address that. In chapter 3, we read where Paul said, all have sinned. He concluded, he showed us scripturally that everybody... The Jews and Gentiles alike had sinned, all have. And then he showed us that God's righteousness through faith, God's righteousness was not by the works of the law, by what you did. Now, because you were saved, you had good works, but you were not saved by the works of the law at all. And um, he showed us that God's righteousness is not of the law, but is through faith. It, it's really marvelous. Uh, and then he showed us uh, the last part of chapter 3, that boasting was excluded. That is, no one has a place of boasting before God. Nobody can look at God and say, I earned this, I deserve this, as it were. And so uh, let's look at Romans chapter 4. We'll start reading in verse 1. So after Paul has shown scripturally that all of sin that God's righteousness is not through the law, it's not through, the, through that special people group, as it were. It was through faith. And the boasting is excluded. He says, what then shall we say? That Abraham our father has found according to the flesh. What will we say about it? He says, for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. I think that is very, very telling that Abraham had a right to boast, as it were, if he were justified by faith, but he could not do it before God. That is, that that was not accepted by God. And so when we look at Abraham being justified, we want to know what does that mean. I think simply put, we can say it is that Abraham was declared righteous, or God was saying to him in the declaration of righteousness, you meet my approval. And, and, and that is so huge because you and I cannot live perfectly before God. We have not done that. Now, we are moving toward that, but there's nobody under the sound of my voice, whether you're online or in this house, can say, I have lived perfectly since the day that Jesus saved me. You can't do that. But, but your faith in Jesus Christ, that Jesus is changing you, that Jesus is doing a work in you, that's good. That's acceptable. So when we say that you, uh, Abraham was justified or you and I are justified, it means to render, God puts it on the books, that you and I are just or righteous, that means righteous, 
or uh, we are uh, innocent. We are innocent before God. That, now, that's amazing that God does that based on, on the fact that you and I come to him through faith, believing on Jesus Christ. That, that is so amazing to me. And so it has to do with the declaration, as we've said before, also a pronouncement that one is just. So God is saying that I see you as you ought to be. That's how God sees it. And he sees it based on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So, so uh, Paul asks, he says, um, for what does the Scripture say? So what does the Scripture say? After he has asked the question, uh, he says, what has Abraham, our father, according to the flesh, what has he found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? What does the Scripture say? This is what the Scripture says. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, or it was credited to him for righteousness. And this is found um, in Genesis 15 and 6. But before I read Genesis 15, 6, verse 4 says, Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. And so when you and I, if we come before God and we say, um, I'm, I'm justified by works, God says, no. As I said previously, that you and I, if we could live perfectly from this very moment on, who would atone for our misdeeds? And so the, God gives us, as it were, a way out by declaring us just when we meet, come to him in faith, and we meet his approval through Jesus Christ, the only one who has lived a perfect life. Amen. And so Abraham, this is the scripture that Paul is quoting in Genesis 15, 6, he says, and he believed in the Lord, and he, God, accounted or credited it to him for righteousness. And what that, that has to do with to reckon, to count it, to compute it, to put it on the books, it's like... God putting it in your bank account that you meet his approval. Or can you, now maybe that's difficult to understand, but man is, has all have sinned, all, all have fallen, or all fall short of the glory of God. But he says, no, I'm going to declare that you are righteous, you meet my approval because you believe in my son, because you've come to me in faith. And so God says, okay, I justify you. That, that's what it is. I count you righteous. I count you righteous. And here he says, he says, but to him who does not work but believes on him. This is powerful. That you don't try to, to find favor with God by what you have done and what you do every day. Because we all make mistakes. But you believe God. You believe that God will credit that to you because you say yes to Jesus Christ. Now that, that's really big. Very, very big. Verse 5 says, but to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly. God declares the ungodly righteous. His faith, that faith that you believe that God is just, that God cannot lie, that God will do what he says, his faith is accounted for righteousness. So Paul explains that very clearly, that our faith is accounted for righteousness. So you and I must come to God in faith. But for without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith. I, I've read that and heard that mo most of my life where people would say, uh, you, we, we should use our faith to get things, to, uh, to have more, to be successful. Use your faith in that particular way. But in the Scripture, he says, the Scripture comes from 
Hebrews 11. You don't have to necessarily go there. Verse 5. Well, you may help me if you go there. He says, by faith, um, Enoch did not see death. And he says uh, he was taken away, so he did not see death because God had taken him. He said, but before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, listen to what he says. He had this testimony that he pleased God. He says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, listen, must believe or must have faith, must believe that he exists and that he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. So we find in the scripture that many, many years ago, when Enoch was walking the earth, Enoch exhibited faith. And, and as a uh, forerunner of Abraham, Enoch exhibited faith and God took him to heaven without him dying like other men die. That, that's amazing. So Paul is showing us that, it is, that our salvation is, by, is through faith alone. Not just faith in a nebulous way, but faith in, in God through Jesus Christ. That's what he wants us to know. So every day when we wake up, we have one thing to do, and that is to live unto him. And the way you live unto God, you, you live trusting Jesus Christ. I do not trust my ability to live a perfect life. I do not trust my ability to live a perfect life. But God says, if you believe in my son, then I will justify you. That is, if we meet God's approval, the Father's approval, we don't need to meet anybody else's approval. We meet God's approval. That's what he is saying. Amen. So in verse 5, he says, but to the one who believes on him, who justifies on God, who justifies the ungodly. He justifies the ungodly, the not godly. His faith is accounted for righteousness. That is so big. I, I wish somebody else would just talk about that for me. He says, just as David, or in the same manner that David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. So, so David talks about the man uh, to, whom, uh, to whom God imputes, gives, renders righteousness apart from works. And th uh, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. That's what he says. And whose sins are covered. That's what David said. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. Lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Uh, that is mind-bogglingly beautiful that you and I who were born sinners even before we committed one act we were born I know somebody says I can't believe that little sweet baby on the floor is a sinner yes 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 he's a sin he's uh, a sinner you know I remember I told you the story about this friend of mine Don uh, Don was had these two little boys beautiful little old, little roly-poly boys they were two little boys they were on the floor they just their hair was so blonde, it was white, and uh, they were little chubby little guys. And one day, he wanted me to come to his house to visit him. And he said, to, he said look, Don, look, Don, little sinners, little sinners. <laughs> I laughed. I had never in my life heard anybody call their children little sinners. But we were born that way. We were born that way. And he says that God... Uh, uh, forgives our lawless deeds 
and he covers our sins because we believe in Jesus. Jesus is indispensable to the gospel, and he is indispensable to our salvation. This may sound elementary, but if you don't know what one plus one is or two times two, you're never going to do high math. And so you, we're not going to walk properly until we know what God has done through Jesus Christ. In, in Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2, these are the words that Paul, uh, that Paul uh, quoted here in verse 7. It says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. So God, God blesses that person. And if you believe in the Lord, it means that you, th you think God to be true, that you are persuaded that God is true. Uh, you have a confidence in God uh, because you believe in him. You trust in Jesus Christ. That's what that means uh, when you are, are a person who believes and have faith. In verse 9, verse 9, Paul talks about that uh, because Abraham was justified before he was circumcised. And so he's, he is basically removing from uh, Christian thinking at that time because the Jews were believing that, oh, I have had, I've gone through the rite of circumcision, and so that is my seal before God that I am a-okay. You know, that I've, I've been circumcised now, uh, so I'm a-okay. I'm of the lineage of Abraham. I've, uh, I'm okay. You know, so like racially or nat uh, nationally, okay. Paul just said, no. So let's look at the Scripture. And it's so, so amazing because Paul, uh, the Holy Spirit allowed him to say that he had worked more diligently, harder, labored more abundantly than all the apostles. Can you imagine saying that? But he was an insolent man. He was, he was very stubborn and self-willed and arrogant man, but God saved him. And you perhaps know somebody in your life who was like that, and God saved them. So you're not to remember all the negative things they did before. Paul speaks so beautifully about this. Um, you know, he had to be filled with the Holy Spirit to understand the intricacies of the Scriptures in this regard. He says, does this blessedness or the, the declaration of righteousness or this good fortune that has come to us, this, this ultimate declaration of blessedness upon a person, and then God putting it on their account, their heavenly account, that this person meets my approval. You know, so you don't have to spell Constantinople when you get to the pearly gates. You know, <laughs> this person meets my approval. And so this is what he says. Paul says here in Romans 4 9, does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. So Abraham's faith was counted accounted to him for righteousness. And this is an accounting term uh, that where you put something on the books. It's like, now if you go in your checkbook today and you write down there $1 million, that's not what he's talking about. Okay, he's not saying, okay, you're, okay I'm just going to put it on, my book, on the books. No, you're going to bounce a bunch of checks. But what, Paul, what God did, what, uh, and Paul is saying, is that God, that's what God requires. God requires a life that pleases him. Jesus lived a faithful and a faith-filled life. In John chapter 8, 
somewhere around verses 28 and 29, Jesus says to us, he says, he who sent me is with me. And so that is for us to understand as well. He who called you is with you. So he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. Jesus tells us, right, that I, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So every born-again believer can have the confidence he has never left me alone. But notice what Jesus says, for I always do those things that please him. So Jesus lived a God-pleasing life, and you and I are now in Christ, as it were, being blessed by this amazing reality of Jesus who lived a God-filled life, a, a faithful life, a, a, a life full of faith. So you and I are now in Christ, and Christ is in us. So that's how this is all accomplished. It's not like you just sort of conjure something up with your mind. No, this is a, a living reality. So God placed Abraham on the books as righteous because of the coming of the seed of Abraham, which is Jesus Christ. So, so it was all based. David, sins was, uh, were forgiven. His transgressions were forgiven. David had transgressions, but they were all forgiven, not based on his work, but based on the fact that he looked to the one who was coming, the seed of David. Yeah, this is amazing what God has done for us. This is really huge. This is big. Wow. And, and so he says, how then was it accounted? How then? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Now, usually when people today ask you a question, they're looking for information. But Paul is not looking for information here. And when God asks you a question, he's not looking for information either. He's looking to tell you something. Amen. And so this is what Paul is doing too. You know, uh, so God is not looking for information. If the Lord asks, what are you doing in this bar? He's not looking for you to tell him what you're doing there. What are you, uh, what are you doing in this go-go club? I don't have go-go clubs anymore. But I'm dating myself, right? Yeah, but, but, but what are you doing? He, he's not looking for you to explain it to him. You know, and so Paul is not looking for it. He's going to tell us. Uh, I worked for a guy a number of years ago, and uh, many, 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 many years ago. Uh, uh, his name was George. I won't give his last name. Um, uh, but George, George was just a, 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 a wonderful, a wonderful guy. And uh, he made uh, work fun, and uh, he would always he'd ask you a question that he knew the answer to, and that kind of thing. So, so it reminds me of this. So Paul asked a question. Um, how then was it accounted while he was uncircumcised or uh, uh, circumcised or uncircumcised? He says, not while circumcised. So he, he punctuates that because uh, the Jewish believers are still stuck in their past and, and in their particular heritage. And, think, and they're thinking that that brought them special favor. And maybe we can debate that a little bit or maybe have a conversation about that because we do know that God has some things he's going to do for natural Israel. We know that God's going to do some things because he promised Abraham. But he promised Abraham the world, and then he said to him that, Abraham, all the nations are going to be blessed because of you. It doesn't matter where you're from, all the nations. And so now there are believers who want to make a certain nation in the world America's favorite. I'm, I'm sorry, I just, it was one of those slips. I was trying to hide it from you. But, but you know, we, well, we do say that, right? We have the attitude, many of us, that America is ba basically the favorite. We're a Christian nation and blah, 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 blah. We, we do that, don't we? Come on, y'all may as well tell the truth. They always say, tell the truth, shame the devil. Come on, you might as well tell the truth. We do that. But see, God 
God does have his nation, but it's the people of God. God does have his nation, but it's the people of God. So uh, God had a man, Abraham. He had a family, the, the Abraham's family and the Jewish family. And he had a nation, Israel. And now he has a, a nation, the people of God. Peter tells us we are God's holy nation. So then we're coming from every tribe, every kindred, every tongue, every place in the world. We're come, coming as God's people. So God wants us to understand that. So when we, when we, well, I must say thank you, Holy Spirit, for making me slip like that. But when we say something other than God, we are contradicting God. We are contradicting God. So we can't say what God hasn't said. The problem with the devil, Lucifer, he said, he's the first being that ever said something that God didn't say. Yeah. And, that, and that's why he did something that God wouldn't do. And so that, that's what we want to do. We want to say what God's saying. So, yes, we are right. We are not uh, American Christians or Jamaican Christians or Ghanaian Christians. <laughs> we are Christians who live in these places. We are Christians who live in these places. So let's get that settled, all right? And so Paul says, was this blessedness uh, accounted to him while he was circumcised, uncircumcised? He said, not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. That blows, that's revolutionary. It blows the cover off everything. So Abraham was not justified because of the flesh. The flesh was a seal that he was justified. That's big. That's big. So... I don't know if this is a good analogy or not, but let me try it. It's like I have a license because I can drive. I, I can drive. You know, the, the license by themselves do not make a good driver. Yeah. So, so, so the license or seal that I passed the test. I passed the test. And so Abraham passed the test, but it was not a working test. It was a faith test. Amen. So, so Paul says he was, he was um, uh, this righteousness, this blessedness was accounted to him while uncircumcised. Verse 11 says, and he received the sign of circumcision. He received the sign of circumcision or the seal of circumcision. It's a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised. And so what, what Paul is laying out to every Jewish believer is that these uncircumcised Gentiles, by, by faith in, in, in Jesus Christ, re receive the gift of righteousness. That's huge. That's huge. So how does, what does this mean to us today? How does this work out in our present-day situation? We cannot earn God's approval by works. We cannot. Our works are a result of what God has done. That's what our works are. Without the Holy Spirit, you and I can do nothing. The, 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 the Scripture says, without Him, we can do nothing. Not, not that we can't do anything. I've heard people say, without Him, I, you can't do. No, it says you can do. Didn't, you say, didn't say you can't do, but you can do zero. So the best you can give God is zero. If you don't have faith in Jesus Christ. So here we go. He says, 
And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, Listen, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that the righteousness might, that righteousness rather, might be imputed to them also, and the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision. Now listen, he says, to the Jewish believers, he says, it's not just that you are um, of the circumcision, let me read that again, and the father of the circumcision to those who are, those who not only are of the circumcision, it's not enough just to be circumcised here in your flesh, he says, but who also walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. Uh, let me read it again because I'm sure that my, my breaking it up took away the thought. Now, let's read it. And he, Abraham, received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised. So this man was uncircumcised with faith, that he, Abraham, might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. Just like it was to, to the, uh, the, the father, uh, Abraham, he says, it's going to be uh, imputed to them also, although, although they're uncircumcised. Because Abraham received this imputation, imputation while uncircumcised. So they were missing this amazing point. And sometimes we miss the points also. You know, it's like sitting in a church doesn't make you righteous. You know, but, but confessing your sins and receiving Jesus Christ, receiving Jesus Christ makes you righteous. It's, it's not what you and I have done that makes us righteous. It's not. It's not. It's our faith in God through Jesus Christ that makes us righteous. Amen. Yeah, holding on to hope, holding on. And he says, and he's the father of the circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the, of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. So what he's saying to every Jewish believer is that, though, yes, you are circumcised. That's wonderful. That it's a seal of righteousness, yes, but you have to walk in it. That's what he's saying to them. Because Abraham walked in this righteousness while he was still uncircumcised. So I, I think I've told you this, but I'll tell you again. In Genesis 16, uh, verse 16, Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar uh, bore Ishmael. He was 86 years old. Uh, and in uh, Genesis 17, 24, it says Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. So circumcision was a, a sign or a seal, a, an outward token of the justification, of, that is, the declaration of righteousness Abraham had already received from God. Wow. So it's not like the natural things. And so uh, Paul, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 9, 2, he says, If I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. So, so you are that, at that sign uh, that outward sign that I'm an apostle, he says to the Corinthians. And in the same manner, in the same manner, this circumcision was just to be a sign that every Jewish lad could see I belong to God and my offspring belongs to God. That's what that was about. Can I read a few more? And then just a couple more. Okay. I'll, let me kind of read this and then I will talk a little bit more about it the next time. 
So verse 13 says, for the promise, that is, that he would be heir of the world, was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. It was never based on the law. It was based on his, uh, his faith in God, his faith in God. This is amazing. Abraham believed God. He just believed God. And you and I have this, this problem sometimes. We just find it, and God has been faithful to us all our lives. All of our lives, he's been faithful. All of our lives, he's been so good. You know, and, and so we'll meet a difficulty and we'll go, what am I going to do, God? I don't know what to do. I mean, that's, that's nutty. You know, I, I mean, I'm talking to myself, not to you. I'm not talking to you, but that's so nutty because, look, here's a man 100 years old. He was 100 years old. God had promised him a son through Sarah, and, and he's 100 years old. Sarah's approaching 90 years old, right at 90 or 90, and uh, he still believed that God was able to do it. He was thinking that, yeah, God's able to raise the dead. That, that's huge, and, so, and he didn't have before him at that point Jesus Christ. He did not have that. You and I have the, the, the life of Christ in us, and then we get faithless. Uh, I'm rebuking myself up here, not, not necessarily you. Uh, so l- let's look at this again. He says, for those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void. If those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of no effect. And he says, why would you say that, Paul? Because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there's no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seeds, grace, the unmerited favor of God. You and I are saved by the unmerited favor of God, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. I'm, I'm going to stop right there, and uh, then we'll perhaps take this up at another juncture, perhaps when I, I do... Uh, Romans 5. We'll just start here and we'll take it up so that you and I will know that we are, we are saved by grace, that the faith that we, that we exhibit is, is, is through in Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus Christ. It's faith. It's a mis, there's a misuse of faith. Faith if faith is just for things, objects. You know, my own personal su- success. That's a misuse of faith. Faith in God says that God will do everything he says. And even in the midst of, uh, of a, a declining nation and a declining world, uh, a very, very godless world, where many believers are thinking that they have to choose between worldly sides, in the midst of all of that, I'm not doing that. But I do pray and ask God, you know, which is the least harmful, but I never pray for the lesser of the evils. I cannot vote for evil in any form, whether it's more or less. You know, I, I can't do that. But this is what I will do. I will try to find that which is better. If you were to look at my voting ballot, you will see I've been picking. I don't ha- vote for everybody because I go, God, this person is bad and that one is bad. I won't vote for either. But I will have faith in you. And some believers will think that's wrong of me, but that's how God has brought me to faith. And so I'm saying that you and I are not looking for answers there. But what mitigates, what deals with the sinfulness around us, we're not going to stop sin all over the world. But the sin perhaps in our sphere is our godly comportment. Our godly comportment. That's what deals with it. Amen. And so when you are a partisan, your partisanship takes away from your godly comportment. It just does. It does. 
And so that we want to work on that. And that is, we want to do those things that please him, not uh, that please uh, our local county commissioner or, or the mayor or, or whatever. That's how we live this life. And God wants us to do it in a full-throated way. So I bless you in the name of the Lord. And I will come back in just a moment. And uh, just because I want to know if there's anybody here who does not know Jesus and maybe something we've said today will, will move you in that direction. And I would like for you to, uh, to then have an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus Christ.